welcome to the love rumination. Well, we're going to talk about how wove we with the wayfarers. God, it's hard to talk like that. The relationships will all be, and will all be so cute. And okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Don't no no Blake, don't close the window. I swear I was just joking. I'm leaving the background the way it is. This is a romance centric episode, so let me just get that out of the way. Ugh. This is a Star Trek romance-centric episode. Okay, got that out of the way. Really, I could go in detail about why those two Uggs were said, but I think I already kind of have. So, yeah, Ugg. As they say, my literal first note on my page here is the word Ugg. Um, I want to say one thing, though. Uh, McNeil, Robert McNeil, uh, Tom Paris, directed this episode, and it kind of shows... He doesn't do anything super fancy, but this is this is not the first time I've commented on the fact that he's actually a pretty decent director. He does some good camera work, and he does some good flow of motion. So, definite props there to McNeil. He does a good job with what he has. And, of course, McNeil uh, gets along with, like, everyone else really well. So he was able to pull out some really good performances out of everyone. Um, I also want to give a little bit of praise to Scott Thompson. He played the ambassador, the alien ambassador who made an ass of himself. Um... That ambassador job, I mean, it was basically a comedy role trying to showcase the kind of person who was, you know, the, the strict, extremely strict, extremely religious, extremely, you know, we must all follow the lit, the writ law of the order in all circumstances. And yet, at the same time, the individual in that order who wants to express and, and feel more, it's, it's very common of a concept, but he does a good job of it. So, you know, props to the man for that. Um, there's also... The, uh, one other thing I want to talk about. So I did a little bit of research into this. The baseline research just said the writers rewrote the end of this episode. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit odd. I'll talk more about why that bothers me at the end of my episode. And I did a little more research into it. And it turns out that the writers kind of agreed and kind of didn't agree. But the general consensus was that word came down from on high in the writer's room by someone who has access to the writer's room, who has the power to universally veto any decision made on the show. Now, there are two people who that, can, who that description can fit, Brennan Braga and Rick Berman. Now, I don't have 100% proof that it was Rick Berman, but considering he's the goddamn devil of Star Trek, that wouldn't surprise me that much. Also, the fact that... Yeah, well, as I've mentioned before and will continue to bring up, they never really do anything from Seven from this point on, other than the one episode in Season 6. They never do anything with this. She's just floundering. Uh, I was actually just talking with uh, one of my viewers who probably doesn't even watch this, but it's Silver Dragoon. Uh, so hi, Dragoon, if you're there. Uh, and and tw Twitch about that. He was talking about how he would make the same call. I can't bring myself to agree with that concept, but my main reason for that is not only is this a logical move to go into, in my opinion... But also because Seven has no character arc now. She's completed her previous character arc. It's done. It's, it's reached a logical end point, And she is now Seven, her new identity and all that fun stuff. That's all come full circle. Great. Awesome. Something new has to start or else she's going to turn into a Chakotay. Which, by the way, fun fact, she does end up getting together with Chakotay. Which is just... Uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, right. Stupid. That's the word for that. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I also want to say that I champion this episode, even though I don't like it. 
I shouldn't say I don't like it. There were parts of this episode that were genuinely embarrassing and just hard to watch. And then there's other parts that weren't. But I do champion this episode for the same reason I champion, uh, looks like it was a week ago? Hang on. Ah. Yeah, last week's Babylon 5 episode. <laughs> I gotta check my calendar to see what your time is versus my time. Uh, last week's episode, TKO, Babylon 5. Not a big significant arc episode, nothing really moved plot forward plot, but it was all character-centric. And I'm always in favor of an episode that doesn't have some threat of the week and doesn't have some we're all in danger and doesn't artificially try to create drama by stupidity. It's just character-centric, character-focused. And this is all about Seven and the Doctor. It is their episode. And I am in favor of that. And so, I, again, I, if I was in the writer's room, I would be the person championing this thing. Yes. We don't, want it, we, we don't want the whole show to be like this. But I want to make sure that you guys know you can do this kind of thing. I will support you. If you want to do an episode just about character development, done. So, Ambassador Neelix, actually, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I feel like Neelix doesn't know what the word ambassador means in this episode. And it's possible he doesn't. Um, he acts as a chauffeur. And a failed one at that. He, but an ambassador, that's not what an ambassador's job is. I hate to revert to Babylon 5 again, but I mean, I'm watching it while doing these, so it's hard not to have Babylon 5 in the brain. But over there, we see what an ambassador is. You are the person who's responsible for interacting with the other nations, their ambassadors. Neelix's job was to interact with this guy. Now, learning about their customs, doing all the prep work and homework, that's awesome. That is exactly what Neelix should do completely floundering and trying to escort this guy around and handle him, that's not his job, okay? His job is to be the, the connecting point to him as he is to Neelix. That's not really a complaint, though, because I feel Ethan Phillips did a decent job of the role and, again, really kind of showcased something that could have been the beginning of a great plot arc. Neelix trying to grow into the concept of ambassador and what that actually means and doing that for real rather than just being an elaborate chauffeur or host, if you will. And I liked that idea. And of course, they don't do anything with this because this is a Voyager and continuity is the devil amongst Voyagers. Excuse me for using that word twice today. But I mean, really, for God's sakes, use a little, just a little continuity. It's not that hard. <sighs> so, Seven Investigates Romance... <laughs> as she's looking into it, uh, I am reminded of the episode we looked at last week, Juggernaut. And you're like, why is that arse? Because in Juggernaut, as I described back then, Bellana Taurus just sort of randomly decides to be season one Bellana Taurus. Well, in this episode, Seven, oh, excuse me, who I remind you has finished her character arc, her first character arc, and is ready to start a new one, has decided to put it back in first gear, and she's now back to the beginning of her time on the crew. She has already mastered basics of social graces. She already knows what small talk is. She already understands social interaction. She is at the point now where she would walk up to Tom and Blonde and say, I am trying to understand more about romance and procreation. Not just procreation. She is now developed at this point so she knows what romance is and that it's a thing. Understanding the more intangible social aspect of life and this new collective rather than the more concrete, hard uh, thing of, like, say, the actual collective, the board collective. But instead, she just follows them around and takes data on them and, and just acts like she has no idea what anything is. It's a complete reversion of her character and just... <sighs> and so indicative of what Voyager's going to be doing for the next two years. Um, 
the next thing I want to I want to just rant about. Forgive me. I've, I'm just in a ranty mood apparently. Ah, I take this Zeiss and I eat it. This is not something I want to eat. Not just because I don't want to eat Zeiss, uh, but because this is an alcohol wipe. Um, look it up. Zeiss are alcohol wipes. So seven. Uh, what? No, this isn't about seven. Why is it that Starfleet always bends over backwards for every other alien culture? You ever notice that? Now, I know what the most common counter-argument is, and that counter-argument works in episodes that are pretty well-written and pretty well-designed when it comes to alien contact. But in less well-designed episodes, you have situations like this, where Voyager is completely subservient to their culture. Their laws matter, their rules matter, their ideals matter, their concepts matter, their beliefs matter. Ours don't at all. Ours don't even come into the equation. At no point in time is Starfleet's mentality or way of thinking ever brought up at all. Now, Season 1 TNG was pretty bad about that. They did that a lot in Season 1 TNG. But this is not exactly a new thing to... Vo to to, to this, you know, that's not exclusive to Voyager and that. It's been throughout the whole of Star Trek. If I can use a parallel, and forgive me for getting into something that's going to be a little political, so forgive me, but it has been stated before that it's kind of like the United States has been for about the last century. I'm not just talking about recent time. You know, but again, pretty much all of the, tw the 20th century. The rules are different for the United States. Other countries can screw us over, kill our people, take our people, do this, do that, whatever. You know, I'm not going to pull out any specific things. I'm not trying to get political here. The point I'm trying to make is, in real life, other countries can do things to us that we just have to accept. And if we try to do those things to other countries, it's a major national incident, multi, uh, international incident. The rules are different for us. The rules are different for Starfleet. Starfleet has to abide by everything and toe in the line and agree with whatever ridiculous thing you say to do. Admittedly, the worst example of this is also the most extreme example of this, and that is the episode Code of Honor, also known as the episode. And in that episode, Starfleet, despite everything, I'm not even going to get into it, has to constantly be just, they're like on the tightrope of, okay, we'll do everything you say, and we'll follow your ridiculous concepts and your ridiculous ideals, because if we don't, then we won't be respecting your culture, and you'll hold us hostage for this cure that we could just... And I hate that garbage. I get so sick of it. If you want to talk about equality, how about we be able to treat each other as equals? Just a thought. I'm talking about in Starfleet, by the way. Let's, let's leave the real-life stuff out the door, okay? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm sick of that stuff in Star Trek, and that just pissed me off in this episode. Oh, whatever. Um, I get respect, by the way. That's not what I'm talking about. We've seen contact uh, in incidents in previous episodes where the one alien, you know, the, there's the alien race, and they give their honored greeting, you know, whatever. doesn't matter what it is. And then, you know, the Federation person gives it in return and then gives the Federation greeting, and the other alien gives the Federation greeting in return. That is the equality. That is ambassadorial. That is the mutual respect, as opposed to us bowing and licking and scraping your boots. We are both honoring and respecting each other. Just a thought. Ah, sorry, sorry, it bugs me. Moving on. Moving on. Um, 
I like some of the doctor's discussions about romance, social interaction, relationships, etc. They are actually surprisingly clinically accurate. I find myself wondering if Michael Taylor, who I believe wrote this episode, um, I know he was a major writer at this point in time, uh, I find myself wondering if he actually did a little research into this. Probably my favorite example, I'm only going to name the one example of this, is the doctor mentions an idea that I've done myself, and I know some of you have probably have done uh, intentionally or otherwise, Take something in your life that is a mild interest, something you're idly curious about, and morph that into a full-blown hobby because this is something that you can use as a vector to interact with others, a point of mutual interest. And that way you can have social coordination with others and leads to some kind of interaction which might be either professional, friendly, or romantic. I'm sure at least some of my viewers know exactly what I'm talking about with that one. And again, I've done that myself, too. I've taken, uh, I got interested in American football for that exact same reason. I got interested in Formula One for that exact same reason. I got interested in uh, mechanics, like in a car and whatnot, for that exact same reason. And I could list several other examples. It's not hard to understand that concept. And I love the way they present that. The fact that Seven would find music interesting is also a perfect pick, in my opinion. Very well written there. Because what is music if not math? Music is literally math. It is audio math. And I love that. It's actually why I love music. It's one of the things that, that really got me into music when I was really, really young. Um, and so the thought that Seven would, would, of all the forms of art that are most commonly seen, her getting into music makes perfect sense. As an aside, I want to give some extra props to uh, uh, Jared Ryan and um, I suddenly can't think of his name. Bob. Robert Picardo. There we go. <laughs> no, his, they actually call him Bob on the set. I, that's not my usual Bob as a generic name thing. Uh, I want to give extra props to both actors. They did a lot of their own singing in this episode. And it was pretty damn good, so huge props to them. We've seen Jerry Ryan sing before. We've seen him sing before, Robert Picardo. So uh, definite, definite props there. Um, the next thing I want to bring up here is a nice touch. There's a lot of good scenes in this episode, which is funny because it's such a hard episode to watch. Um, Kim shows up and is interacting with Seven, and he and she's like, you know, I have decided that I must find a mate, and blah, blah, blah. And she brings up music, and he says, well, I play the clarinet. As an aside, he plays the clarinet pretty well, but she says, you're not one of them. And Kim says, oh. And old Kim, the Kim that they use just as a meat bag to make fun of, would probably have been, have been blubbering, at, oh, God, ridiculous, and I'm using for comic value, because isn't it so funny to make fun of the awkward kid? Instead, he walks up and says... Why don't I help you? And then, and then she goes through her list and he says, well, this person is this and that person is that and yada, yada, yada. That was a nice touch. Quiet, subtle, understated. It doesn't really need to be, make a lot of focus, but it really showed that Carrie Kim, at least, has actually moved forward as a character in the writer's minds. So they're willing to write him as a freaking character now instead of a punching bag. So props there. Um, I also like how Tom hits the no the just hits the issue on the nose like three times in this episode, most notably with regards to the doctor and his feelings for Seven. By the way, to make this clear, in case I, in case you're new to watching this after five seasons of me doing this show, yet yeah, no, I do think the doctor is sentient, sapient, and capable of feelings. That is my opinion. I have plenty of stuff to back up that opinion. 
But it is only my opinion. It does not make it correct or factual. But based on that opinion, I'm going to be acting as if that is true because that's what I think. Just making that clear. Boilerplate done. <clears throat> now that we've got that out of the way. I do think the Doctor had genuine feelings for Seven. And I think it's such a shame they will not get to explore those. This is where I'm going to talk into the nice thing, nice thing here. Seven and the Doctor have a conversation in the bar. This is actually a little bit, you know, like in the middle of the episode. During this conversation, uh, she mentions how she disliked her attempts at romantic interaction with the with Ensign, what's his name, because or was it Lieutenant? It doesn't matter. Um, and the reason she mentions that is because she prefers to the way she talks with the Doctor. We say what we mean and we do what we want, and we are open and honest with each other. And the Doctor says that well, that's because we have a you know we're not romantic. We are trying you know we are interacting outside of that. That was brilliant, by the way. Because a real relationship doesn't start with romance. It starts with friendship. And I like that the emphasis on this episode was the fact that the Doctor and Seven are not going, growing closer romantically. They're growing closer as friends. That we are seeing that friendship in action. That we are seeing it develop into something more. The potential for there being a romantic undercurrent to that, that friendship between the two. And then, of course, someone, Berman, excuse me, someone in the writing staff room said, nah, <clears throat> no. So rather than this developing and becoming the beginning of a new arc for both of them, they abandon it and never talk about it ever again, and Chakotay and Seven end up together. And uh, the end, I suppose, is the end of that. And the Doctor goes crazy about holographic rights in the future and starts playing the race card for no reason. Really, Voyager? I feel like season five, even though there's good episodes from now on, I feel like season five really was the last great season because there's so many good ideas here and so many of these ideas were launch points. We're, 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 we're what do you call it? Um, when you go up on the board and there's a board and there's a pool. I can't think of the name of it. They're the board into the pool thing. I am an intellectual, damn it. Um, <laughs> they were a launching point. For so many new ideas, for so many, so many new stories you could have done, ways you could have taken the characters, ways you could have taken the Borg, ways you could have taken Voyager itself, ways you could have taken the, the local areas, and the concepts that they're going in. None of that will be followed up on. There will be good episodes from now on, but there will not be a good series from now on. And they had so much potential for it. But I said I'd save this for last. I kind of talked about this before. I'm not much for shipping. I've talked about this before. But when I see two actors, and this is funny, I think I just talked about this, uh, where did I talk about this in? It was a pre. it was not too long ago, hang on. Did I talk about it in TKO? No, I talked about it in Juggernaut, it was just last week, sorry. Um, just last week I was talking about this in Juggernaut. I'm not interested in romance on its own. If you want to do a well-written relationship, that's fine, but when I see two characters who have great interpersonal dynamic, great chemistry on screen because of the actors, and some obvious, you know, under-the-hood reasons why they should be interested in each other romantically. And I want to stress the way I say that. I'm not interested in the sex side of things. I'm not interested in the toddy side of things. I don't want them to have a fling, okay? But when you see the potential for a real relationship between two characters, and it's flung out the window for no reason, it always makes my head tilt just a bit. And I know a lot of my Star Trek fans can understand this when I say that Beverly and Picard is probably the er example of this. 
those two actors had amazing chemistry. They were both theatrical actors. They both knew what they were doing. They got along well off the set and on the set. And there was a lot of backstory between both characters that would lead them towards each other. Both of them had incredible mental discipline. Both of them were very passionate yet restrained. You know, I could keep going. The two were a perfect fit, and the seeds were sown and then eaten by crows, to stretch the metaphor. It's the same thing here with the Doctor and Seven. We have a woman who, even despite being accepted by the crew, is still ostracized, is still separate. She is not like them. She is accepted, but she is not a part of them. She will always be judged, and especially if, slash, when they get home, that's going to be cranked up to 11. Um, at, at this point in time, of course, we don't really have a lot of perspective for this, but picture a federation that is two years out of the Dominion War, suddenly seeing a liberated Borg drone show up on their doorstep. We've seen the kind of the negativity that is fed in Seven's direction throughout the court, throughout every, every, everything from like season three onwards to here, or season four, excuse me, from Scorpion to here. We have seen it. We have seen how much bile and vitriol that is flung in her direction, usually from aliens, sometimes from the crew. Belana even recently still hasn't really been getting along with her, even though I think that's just bad writing, but whatever. She will always have that judgment placed upon her, except by one person. There's one person who will never look at her and see a Borg, who will never see a drone, who will never see a former enemy, who will never see a victim, who will never see this rude person. There's one person who doesn't judge her, who just interacts with her as if she's her, the Doctor. And of all the people on Voyager, who do you think is willing to be romantically entangled with someone who is a hologram? To look at someone who is, and I'm going to stress this again, by all intents and purposes, sentient and sapient, capable of feeling, capable of thought, capable of emotion, capable of function, capable of upper, uh, you know, higher intellect. Unlike me, with the, is it a diving board? Um, who do you think is going to be able to look at the doctor and say, yeah, I'm romantically interested in you? Now, there have been people in the past, uh, one, I think, person. Yeah, one. Um, <laughs> I'm not counting the other one because she was a hologram. Um, but it's the same exact situation. Everyone's always going to think of him as a hologram. He, they, he may be accepted amongst the crew. He may have a camaraderie amongst the crew. They may actually care about him, and this is shown in the future, but he will always be that other guy over there, separate, just like Seven is. And again, when, he, when they get back home, the Doctor will not be welcomed with open arms by Starfleet. That may eventually happen. They may grow to that, but he's still going to be ostracized at first. The person who is most likely to stay by his side and in his defense is Seven, and vice versa. My point is, for every possible reason I can think of, thematically, character-wise, arc-wise, continuity-wise, Logically speaking, these two characters, oh, and by the way, chemistry between actors, great chemistry between these two people uh, on screen and off, these two people were a good match. And even if that didn't blossom into a relationship, if it just stayed a very close friendship, for God's sakes, do it! Don't just chop it off at the knees because no reason given. I went digging to try and find out the why. That, that was done. And I failed. Why would you do that? 
as so often happens, I feel, I end a Voyager rumination on the thought that this is why Voyager is still enjoyable and yet still hurts me when I rewatch it. I know that sounds weird. But because Voyager was so much potential, this is just another example. We just saw this last week with Juggernaut. Great potential for a launching point. We saw this a few weeks ago with Dark Frontier. Great potential for a launching point. Great potential for a new arc. Great potential for new stories and new ideas. And... And that's Voyager. Whatever. What's next week? Um, oh, Jesus. I'll see you guys next time.